Do not say what's up, everybody. So, so what's up, everybody? I'm gonna walk out of this. <laughs> so. Hi. Hi. Uh, I was told that I'm not allowed to say what's up, everybody. Welcome to Conspiracy Say What. So that I was, won't say that. That was in. That was in. Uh, Poor taste. I don't know. What do you think? Should we allow that? <laughs> Burn him. Burn him. She says. Air fire. We're Ooh. not talking about witches today. Uh, are, are we? we? <laughs> Wait, did you say air fryer? Like, are you gonna air fry me? I'm yeah, chop dude. you up in little bits. It would take it. a while. We got time. We got plenty of time. We scheduled out some hours for this. I mean, my, instead of recording a podcast, we'll just chop you in a bit. Schedule. I don't have a schedule. Uh, all right. So today we are talking about something that we have been building up to for quite a while. Uh, we are talking about the good old Mibbies, the, the Men in Black, the Mibbies, the Mibbles, Mibbles, Mibbles and Bits. I love them. I love those little cartoon characters. I totally want. There's like a show called Mibbles and Bits now. What would it be about? Men in Black and like the things they investigate. That's really the bits. So, the Men in Black show that aired on Fox. No, but that was about. It, it, what's your name? I'm Cameron Alexander. Oh my god. I know, right? That's crazy. I'm Jason. And what? I'm I'm Ellie. I'm the only one with the last name again. Yeah. Why do you care so much about last names? I don't know, just so people know who we are. They know who you are. You're what if Cameron. people think I'm Cameron Diaz? Well <sighs> I mean it'd be a fair assumption. Anyway, that's, today that's true. I did think you were Cameron Diaz the second I walked through the door today. I was like, I don't know if you noticed, but I was like, Cameron, you look a lot like uh, Princess Fiona from Shrek today. <laughs> I do look like a Cameron Diaz that's had too much ice cream. That's, yeah. Yeah. Wait, what's, uh, was she in Charlie's Angels? Was she one of the angels? Yeah, she was yeah. one of the angels. Yeah. Or was she a devil? All right, Cam, shut up. Speaking of I didn't go on Charlie's that. Angels, we're here to talk about the men in black. Right. Charlie's question angels mark? Do Why did you say that like a question? <laughs> Speaking of popular movies from the 90s. Yes. Charlie's Angels is from the 90s, right? The first one? Men in Black? Well, what about Charlie's, oh, Charlie's Angels? 2001, I think. Today, we're talking about the Men in Black, which we have actually brought up in, I think, every episode except for the last one. Um, uh, I feel like they must have gotten mentioned. There's no way we didn't mention them. Yeah, Commence it's true. the digging. So this is this is a very, like, large rabbit hole, though. Like, I mean, there there's... There's so much to go over with the Men in Black that I guarantee you 100% we will not cover all of it even close. They're, because I, I feel like they're not, they're always side characters making a cameo appearance yeah. in like every conspiracy, but Usually not Usually so how it benefits people. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, shall we start off with maybe what we're expecting to see if you see a man in black, aside yeah. from the fact that he's just wearing a nice black suit? Yeah. Um, nice black suit. Although, to be fair, nowadays that is kind of not as normal. Because, <laughs> like, in the 50s, everybody wore that all the time, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was then, just the fashion at the time. Wasn't it brown suits, though? I feel like it was more brown suits than black. Brown, but just suits at all, really. Suits. I feel like that's the oddity, though, because a lot of the stories we're going to talk about are from, like, the 50s through the 70s. And I feel like they do talk about, like, the men in black, like, it's odd that someone's wearing black. I feel like brown was, like, the thing, and, like, black was, like, a government... I don't, it's been a while since I've played L.A. Noir, so I don't remember what... Everybody suits. wears brown and gray in that. Brown and gray and black. They have black suits. Mm, they're, not, they're not as... Or like, dark, dark blue that can be mistaken for black. They're not as prominent, though, in that game, which is not real. It's a game. <clears throat> in real life, everything was black and white, obviously. That's how they lived. Well, there you go. That's how they're in... Let's talk so about the Mibbies. So the men in black... They have, they're, they're, sometimes they're, usually whenever I see an artist's portrayal, quote unquote, they're usually tall or they have some weird, sometimes they put, what is that? Oh, you're showing me your. artist's portrayal. Yeah, put that up to the microphone so everyone can see it. Good job. Did I make that joke last week? You did. Yeah, it's in the intro. Oh, good. Uh, but yeah, usually they're quite tall. Yeah. I think in most descriptions of them. A little lanky. They might have like some sort of weird like their faces don't look right 
which is yeah. a weird thing to say, but like it, it you know, like sometimes like it, they, they're drawn with like weird. I saw like one thing where they had like weird like foreheads that were like way more forward than they should have been, yeah. and their eyes were weird. They just had like their cheekbones were like pronounced. Like, like it, it, this is just like maybe one version which, of their character design. Which, as we'll find out, there's a lot of different versions mm-hmm. of the men. Yeah. Another thing is I found, in, at least when I was looking up stuff, they have uh, they talk with slight accents. Mm. Yeah. Or some kind of outdated slang. Or lacking any emotion or accent. Yeah. That's also another feature. So it's either like this odd accent or complete lack of one. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite thing is the, the usage of out of date slang. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, what, dude, what are you even talking about? Like, nobody says that anymore. Like, someone knocking on your door, like, hello there, sport. With no I emotion. would like to meet your parents. That's probably a bad. <laughs> no, I feel like that's but, like the perfect robotic lack of an accent but the, that people describe. But like calling someone, but like calling someone like I don't know, what something people used to call each other in the forties. I don't know. I didn't find like any buckaroo. good. Good slang. Things we can't say. <laughs> what? What? Ooh, oof, 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 man, yeah. oof. Like nerd. <laughs> yeah. Can't say that um, anymore. That's the. <laughs> Go on. Never mind. <laughs> Uh, so another thing they wear, uh, they always wear hats for some reason. Fedoras. They're, they're very mm-hmm. much about their hats. Uh, not always fedoras. I found one case where they said they were wearing a baseball cap, which I think is fun. I think that's like... I that's use, the fun one. That's like you got a job, but the baseball game is just around the corner. Were they... What what baseball hat were didn't they fans say. of? Just said a baseball cap. It's probably black. So... Just plain black. That one was a different kind of story, though. I'll talk about it a little bit later. It's kind of a weird one. Speaking Uh, of things on their heads, I did see some weird account where they were talking about how they were clearly wearing a wig. Or, like, all of their hair was fake. And just, like, they look fake in general. Like, their skin looks like it's not really their skin. Or, like, one of my other favorite things is when they talk about how their lips are painted red to look (laughs) normal. Like, they're clearly wearing makeup. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen that one. Yeah, and I That's... even saw a good one where it was like, and they didn't even have lips. It was just like, they had drawn lips where lips are supposed to be, which is honestly really creepy. Well, it's like, it's like Jason, like you mentioned that their faces are often like contorted, like weird. And yeah. that's, that very much started to combine in my head with like the idea that they're wearing makeup. Because a lot of times it feels, it feels like they are doing that intentionally to like distort their features. Which is very odd, and especially like in the 50s, like a man walking up to you wearing red lipstick. It's going to be a little weird. Yeah. You're not going to be expecting it at the time. <laughs> Basically, when you're giving me the description of like someone with no lips or all that, I, my, for some reason my immediate thought went to Michael Jackson. <laughs> like late life Michael Jackson. Oh my God, Am no. I wrong? No. He looks not. like an alien. He well, wears fedoras. His nose literally, he does. His, oh my God. His nose literally started to disintegrate at one point. It's true. So, so basically everyone was getting visited by Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's why his music was so good. Just like a time-traveling Michael Jackson. Yeah. Which fits into the lore, which we will go into later. I feel like he would have been visiting kids instead. Um, well, he did. Yeah. Quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Never see. aged that one. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, I did see another thing where they were described as having, like, glowing eyes. Oh, of course they were. I didn't see a lot of things like that. I did that, not see but anything like yeah, that. I yeah, I saw a couple of stories where it was like, um, I think it was... It might have been Bender, the guy we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. saw them in a theater and like their eyes were glowing. I don't remember if it was him though. I'll have to. <laughs> well, read let's, my notes let's get again. into it. Let's get it. Let's get into Bender, right? No, we're going to talk about, about Doll first. All right, let's talk about Roald Doll first. No. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? No. It's a sequel to a film no. that was incredible. The film, no. the original, was great. I know the sequel was terrible. What is with his father at the end? Where do they even go to meet him? Because so I Jason, feel like it's all in his head. Tell us about Howard or Harold, Harold Stahl. What was the guy? What was the bad guy in Charlie the Chocolate Factory's name? <laughs> Slugworth. <laughs> I think he was a Men in Black. Oh my God! He was he, a maybe. He, he was. Oh my God! Giving he off, was. He was giving off huge maybe. Of course, we know at the end. Spoilers for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, when it's revealed that Slugworth works for Willy Wonka the whole time, 
Yeah. But before then, he's a very Mibby character. He has a he has a suit on, right? Yeah. But also maybe that was also fashion at the time. I don't. It was seventies, but I mean people still wore suits. So you ever wonder though if like Willy Wonka was so influential that he that Slugworth was like an actual Men in Black, and they were going to arrest him, right? Because he had been murdering people because he openly just kills people in that film. Uh, but maybe they gave him because he was so influential. They let him give away his factory. Him. Well, no, but he uses he, his gang of orange midgets to do it. Like often. if like if Adolf Coors, <laughs> if Adolf Coors was like guiding you through the Coors factory, and you happen to fucking fall through like in a vat or something, is that Adolf Coors's fault? Yes. I don't know. Did he have a gang of orange midgets that pushed me in? Yeah, you were taking the Coors factory tour, dude. No. Well, how do you? There you go. Yeah, you wouldn't know. I wouldn't I either. Have. <laughs> You have? I actually haven't. But, <laughs> but I did. Let's I did, go for research. I did. I did do the. Uh, they have like a bar at the end where you can just you know drink Coors straight from the factory because it's right there. Right. It's pretty good. It is really. Yeah. It's any better? Well, if you like Coors, I don't. I feel like the dark secret there is that they actually import it from a different factory. <laughs> <laughs> like what would be the point of that? Well, okay, we have we have a bar connected to our factory where we make the beer, but let's get it imported from China. See, that sounds to like give a it case. that authentic. That sounds like America. That sounds like a case oh for God. the Men in Black to show up at your door. That's uh, so Dahl. We're talking about yeah, uh, what's his name? The Mo- yeah, Harold Dahl. Harold Dahl. The Maury Island incident from 1947. Potentially the first. The granddaddy of them all. Yeah, but whenever I try and look up. But in my research, they would always point to this as being the originator yep. of of Mibby's. Uh, uh, to summarize it, basically, uh, a guy called Harold Dahl was hanging out with uh, was it his son? Yes. Mm-hmm. And a dog, and they happened to see like four, five, or six glowing lights just in the sky, you know, moving around doing UFO things, and uh, very shortly after. They saw these things and were trying to tell people about them. They were visited by dun 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 the maybe in black. Oh, okay. Oh, wrong episode. They were visited Dang by the Polybius arcade machine itself <laughs> at their door. <laughs> Damn, that's a twist. <laughs> uh, they, but Men in Black, who came and uh, threatened him and told him not to talk about what he saw, mm-hmm. and then. You know what? Like they know. However, these stories get around. One person tells another person, tells another person, reads it in a newspaper, tells another person, and it gets warped into what we now know as the Men in Black. Yep. That's the ba- that's like the basic basic summary of it. And it was re- uh, recounted in the report I'm looking for. Yeah, it is. Sure. Uh, in the book, uh, the Men Who Knew Too Much, right? Uh, about it, flying saucers. It was they knew too much they about flying much saucers about flying by saucers. Gray Barker. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he recounted that book came out in 1956. Yeah. Which is a little um, while later, right? Because this the the doll thing happened in 47. 47. So yeah. about nine years later. Um, here's a, here's we can go on a quick tangent about Barker and this book real quick. Um, good old woofer. Because it kind of counts towards uh, something funny. So and he also wrote. Another book. So he wrote this book about they knew too much about flying saucers. Right. Typical, you know, UFO book thing. That's where this uh, Maury Island incident thing really got steam. Was you know being peddled everywhere. He also wrote a book in 1970 called Silver Bridge. Care to guess what that book's about? Well, maybe it'll connect with episode number two of our podcast. Yeah, it's a book about the Mothman. And the incident that we talked about with the the silver bridge that collapsed. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool. He also wrote that. No, it's not. But it's it's cool that we found that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's cool. (laughs) No, it is actually interesting that someone, like, you think about investigating conspiracies there. At least I think about, like, investigating conspiracies today. We have Google. We have, like, all this stuff. Like, we can find tons of things. Like, Ali, you found journal articles and books that are in the public domain. Like, things we can read for free. In order to go out there and investigate back then... You had to like go out there yeah. and investigate. So he that means he had to go to Silver Bridge. He had to go to Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. Or just talk to people too. Well, but, yeah, but you have to like to in order to write like a full book about it, you've gotta have like a bunch of those accounts. Yeah, I actually had I, I bought a, a subscription to Kindle just so I could download like all eight books that I kind of picked out of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, we the internet's our friend now. 
Yeah, thanks for sure. Yeah, I mean that's just what impresses me though is like he goes out and like Barker. We'll we'll talk about more about him, but like whether or not he's factual or not, he still went out and did the research and wrote like these books about it. Mm-hmm. So, and in my research, he was talking to uh, he he's actually talking to a colleague, somebody he worked with on some book. I forget which one or the name. Uh, but Barker admitted himself that he didn't really take Mibby's or the Mothman really seriously, but he still yeah. believed that there was something weird. He actually wrote quite a few books about weird, like, alien and paranormal stuff, so... Yeah, like, I don't, so I don't think he literally believed in Mothman so or like Mibby's, but he was just, you let know, me, curious about him. Let me ask, though, when conspiracy people tend to say things like, well, I had an encounter with this, but I don't really believe in this. So it was amazing that I had an encounter or whatever. Does that like make you believe them more when they're like, I don't believe in this? Or does that make you think that like they're just trying to get you to believe more by making it seem like they're detached from the situation? I don't feel like I believe them either way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think it's so. It's like, because like, one way I feel sir. like they're just being like, oh my God, I saw this thing. And like, here's all the evidence. Don't you think that's real? Or then there's like the people that are like, man, I don't even believe this. And I saw this. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You're just trying to sound more credible. <laughs> yeah. Because exactly. you're like, I don't believe. So you should also believe. Yeah. I don't believe it either way. Yeah. Usually. Okay. All right. What about you then? Oh. I was, oh. You seem like you disagree. No, I think when people, I, I tend to have like that gut reaction like when someone says like, oh, I saw like a flying saucer, I'm like, okay, but like, like I want to hear like what they might have seen. The evidence. But if they say before saying anything about that, if they go, but I'm not really a believer in that kind of stuff. So this is kind of amazing, but I did definitely see it. Mm-hmm. Well, like if you saw it, you're probably like a believer in this kind of stuff. I would think. Mm-hmm. I feel like we really took a tangent there. Yeah. Do we have more to say about doll? Yeah. Um... Just, I guess, to go more into the story. So he saw the things. He went to go... This is, like, what was kind of, like, trying to give him credibility, I suppose, is he went to go talk to a man named uh, Chris, Fred Chrisman. It was... Okay. Uh, I forget I forget what his relationship to him was, but he was telling him about this whole story, and Chrisman's like, yeah, right, whatever. And he went to go check the night after, I believe, to look for himself, what he could find, and he also saw... I think he saw some lights. And I think he picked up some strange pieces of metal. Oh, yeah, the pieces of metal. Yeah. Yeah. So he picked those up and was like, oh, my God, this is actually real. And uh, later, uh, Dahl and Chrisman both admitted that the metal that they found were just strange pieces of rock. <laughs> is it metal technically rock? But not metal like you know metal to be, you know what I mean? Like right. It was just weird pieces of, like, stone. Metals are a specific kind of rock, Cameron. Right. Yeah, it's called metallurgy, right? Okay. Yeah. I was just saying, I mean, I just... It's not like I find, like, a steel beam on the side of the road and be like, a rock! <laughs> that's, that's not what I mean. Well, I pick up a stone and go, this is as strong as metal! And I throw it on the floor to prove oh. how tough I am. I, I heard a very elevated version of this story, or read... A very elevated version of the story. Um, I read that he and his son. Uh, this is the, the the important part with the dog. Uh, yeah, that's right. For yeah, the dog. Yeah, they're they're out and they see instead of just lights. I read that they saw like six or eight or something like actual donut shaped flying saucers out there, like mm-hmm. floating around. And then like one of them broke or like just completely collapsed. And like the debris killed the dog, that's, and then yeah. they and then they pick up the debris, and they take it with them. That's like their evidence, and so they like try to talk to the government about it or whatever, or the local police. I don't remember who it was. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. But like the spaceship breaks right, and then the rest of them just fly away. What I want to know though is how did it exactly kill the dog? Because I feel like if you take the dog, and you take some of the metal that killed the dog, did it like was it a huge chunk that just smushed? I don't know, but it died, apparently. Yeah, I think there were stories I were reading that were implying it was, like, shrapnel. Yeah. Just a bunch of it. Because, like, it exploded or something. So what I would do is I would take the body of the dog. I mean, forget the little pieces of metal. You have a dog full of it. Yeah, just take that. Why didn't they just do that? 
Duh. I'm just saying, this seems kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I heard all this other stuff about how he got interrogated by the government and, like, they wanted to see this metal that he found and mm-hmm. something about how his son, like, disappeared and he didn't even care because he got into, like, uh, investigating UFO stuff. And Yeah. <laughs> Another thing about the story that's, like, actually, I think it's real, this part. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I can't go deep diving into uh, what's it what's it called morbituaries yeah. obituaries. obituaries obituaries I like morbituaries though that's, that's like, like a, a combination brutal. of morbid obituaries obituary. morbituaries I didn't go through the obituaries of this time but apparently a couple days afterwards the uh, some members of Air Force tried checking it out and there were a couple planes going to investigate whatever oh, this yeah. thing was and one of them caught fire and died but only the two men that actually talked to them died, right? That's what I read. Yeah, I think so. Like, there were a couple that survived because they had parachutes, but the two men that talked to uh, Dahl and his son were the ones that died. Mm-hmm. I think, Spooky. I think I saw one report, or maybe it was a theory, I don't remember, that they went above a certain altitude trying to chase something, mm-hmm. and then they got a lack of oxygen and passed out, and that's... The planes just started crashing because it was back in. I mean, these were planes back in the forties. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like cardboard boxes with propellers. Yeah. So they didn't have like the, the like the uh, you know the oxygen stuff that I'm sure our pilots have now, or even like a few years later. I don't know much about. Yeah, we're really good at technology. Stuff. If you know much but they, about but they wear oxygen the masks stuff, and shit, right? Yeah. They were the safety. If you know anything about safety and oxygen stuff. Email us. <laughs> yeah, email us or text. Uh... No, you're not giving anyone's number. I'm just going to bleep it out anyway. <laughs> no. <laughs> Quit. Quit it. Okay. Quit. All right. So this is all very well and good. What does this specifically have to do with Men in Black? How did they influence this story? I, I read about this story a oh, little yeah, bit. Oh, yeah. We didn't I really did not... even talk about the no, Men you in guys Black. Well, we got we got we got donuts in the sky and a dead well, we gotta, dog. We got we to gotta build it up, Yeah, man. you got to talk about the story. Like, why did the Men in Black show up? All right. Okay. You built the Jenga so Tower. So why did the Men in Black? Down. Yeah. All right. So they... Okay. So all this alien shit happens. And then... What? Silence your bottle. Oh. So all this alien stuff happens, and then they are visited by a man in black. Okay. Yep. Um, uh, threatening, to threatening uh, doll specifically, and I think probably Chrisman too. Um, oh yeah, isn't this the part where he like threatened his son's life or something? I think so. He was he was saying some nasty things and like basically saying if you say anything, bad things will happen. Yeah. Being really vague with his. Uh, threats. That's a consistent theme I yeah. mean, with the Men in Black. But this is the first story about it. So. Yeah. yeah, or at least it's the first one, like first popular one. Right. Anytime you try and look up Men in Black stuff, it always points to... That's true. I actually incident. did find earlier incidents of the Men in Black before this story, and I even found some that like predate like normal civilization where like there's weird talkings about things like that. Ooh. Yeah. That's cool. That would not, be... Is this not even the first UFO sighting, I don't think? No. No, Something that was interesting. first public one. A guy Although, in the Air Force. Yeah. You know what's crazy about the 1947 stuff? Yeah. That's when Roswell happened, right? Around that time? Let me look it up real no, quick. No, Roswell happened. Mm. I thought Roswell happened after mm. that. I don't remember. Mm. It's hard to say. I know Roswell is a middle-of-the-nowhere town. With yep, 1947. Oh, Mid-1947 is when the Roswell incident happened. Mid-1947. So and you this could say was... that either aliens are very active in this year, or this is when all of those stories started. Yeah, because this was uh, uh, July 1947. Oh, well, right, so it was like the same time. Well, in... Mid- yeah. 1947. And what, what do we know about the Roswell incident? What's the most important thing that came out of the Roswell incident? Is uh, that a bunch of diners are all along like yeah, Southwest too. America that are themed around aliens. That's a good point. Uh, but also the very first statement by the government. It's true. Which was them talking about the fact that it was an unidentified, like basically ET craft. And yeah. then they immediately, like the next day, went back and they're like, no, 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 no. It was a weather balloon. Like, that's not what we said. Those things that you have recorded and that you all wrote down, that exactly what I said, that's not what I said. Mm-hmm. Weather balloon. And then they went back and they said they didn't know what it was. And then they went back and they said it was a weather balloon again. Yep. Yeah. So. So. To, to yeah. be fair, like, 
devil's advocate, they probably, maybe they actually didn't know. And then immediately after the thing came back, like, hey, we found out what it was. Like, oh, sh- but we just did the, ah. Oh. I actually have a theory. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know, like, the Roswell story too well. I have a theory on what happened there. We'll talk about it a little bit later because I want to get into a very specific section of what I find interesting about the men in black ideal. Um, but we'll get into that later. Okay. Later. Okay. So, um, is that... Anybody, anything else for Doll? So that's that's Doll. I want to move directly into Bender. Bender. Bender, Bender. is more important Bender's than Bender's my boy. He, I, I wrote so much notes about Bender. The Bender mystery. Well, it's like, it's like Doll is like the Batman Begins, right? He starts off a trilogy. Not a lot of people know it. Some people do. But then Bender is the Dark Knight. That's the one everyone watched. That's the one that picked up steam. He also created the IFSB. Yes, that's his... One of his important ideals. Yeah. Um, Bender's an interesting guy, though. He mm. he also kind of started doing stuff around 1947 or 8. Yeah, I believe he had um, that famous quote, bite my shiny map. That's not him. That's the wrong thing. Uh, that's, a much <laughs> more, that's a better Bender. It is. Um, I guess he he started getting into um, like all this weird UFO stuff. After there was an aircraft that vanished after taking off from um, Fort Lauderdale, I think, in Florida. Mm. Right? And so he started digging into, like, all kinds of weird, like, UFO things and paranormal things. Basically everything written by Charles Fort, which is the guy that wrote... Like, he he pretty much was, like, the person that wrote about paranormal stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and he uh, did the 14 times... Okay, but he was after that. Charles Fort was first. Charles Fort was writing stuff in the 40s. And he did all kinds of weird research. And he has the Book of the Damned, which I own now because of this. <laughs> oh my god, really? Where is it? Um, it's not the... It, it's an e-book. Oh. It's it was the, the fastest space. way to get here. But I can't order it in paper. It's in the cloud. I have to grab it. <laughs> I'll let um, you know how my progress goes. But yeah, so he... So this, this Bender dude... Albert Bender. We didn't even say his real name. Albert Bender. Albert Bender. Uh, he started the International Flying Saucer Bureau in 1952. Wow. Wow. Um, so that's where all of his weird stuff started. And then from that, he started the Space Review magazine. Yep. Right? So they... It was basically just kind of like this big nerd group of like, let's investigate <laughs> UFO sightings, which are kind of a new thing. So everyone's like kind of... What it's happened right before now. Yeah. he started the IFSB, though? And I, I believe this is very important. It's a very important part of his story, just because you find this with a lot of uh, ufologists. Are you talking about the plane thing? Ufologist? No, I'm, Did you have something you? else? Okay, real quick. They're called ufologists, but yeah. I don't like that. Ufologist. Ufologist. I heard ufologist. Ufologist. Uf off. All right. So when I read it, I kept, object. I kept reading Ologist. it as UFOologist. Yeah, I yeah. do that That's all the time. I, I do yeah. that all the time. It's so awkward. But that'd be ufologist. Ufologist. But like, it doesn't make any sense because UFO is a, um, oh my God, what is it? it it's was, an alien thing. No, no, no. What, what's that thing where you shorten words and... Go on. The, a metaphor. Acronym. Acronym. There it's it is. It's an acronym. But like, you made an acronym into... A word? So, like, ufologist doesn't really mean anything. Like, we don't call them ufos. Well, I'm sure some, some people do. Some do in the community. Right, okay, really? We are getting off track. A the point stupid, that I'm making here is he semantics. had what a lot of them do, stupid which ufos. is when you look in their history for the people that are really big about this kind of stuff, they have a decline in their standards of living, basically. Like, their life goes downhill, which has very much happened with Albert Bender. His life went from, like, him being on his own and him, like, he still studied these type of things, but then he had, like, this encounter. It kind of, like, drove him a little crazy. He moves back in with his parents. He lives upstairs in the attic by himself. Oh, yeah. Which he then sets up to just kind of be this space that he never leaves. In fact, it's kind of thought that he might have even become agoraphobic and that he really just didn't leave very often yeah and he kind of got into reading all kinds of weird stuff like the charles fort stuff that i mentioned and like edgar Allan poe 
and Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yeah, he and fanfiction.net. Yeah, he all, put the, himself, all that weird stuff of the 1940s. He put himself <laughs> in solitary confinement. And we do know, like, if someone's sitting there by themselves, just in, like, closed-off spaces for too long, you will slowly start to kind of, like, lose it a little and bit. And it attic. goes into his stories about what happened later. I can't imagine the attic has a lot of light in it. No. <laughs> There's probably, like, one little window that... He probably boarded up because at of the one, men in black. At one point, the book I was reading said that he started putting up big spiders because he wanted to scare oh, people yeah. that came up there. This is the man that we're talking about here. Big spiders, like like, like the big like toy ones. He you wanted get. to make yeah, he it just, a like, space. Spiders in the ceiling. Yeah, he wanted to make it a space that people could come up to and they'd be like, "Wow." So he would put things. <laughs> so he would put things, spiders will do that. Like too. spiders. And like all this type of stuff. Like he was getting a lot of visitors. Wait, you're missing the important part here. It that's wasn't the exact the vibe I go for when I decorate my house. I just it want people to look around and it go, It wasn't wow. spiders that was the weirdest thing. It was the, he was painting creepy pictures of like um, the characters that he was reading about in like these books. Like hmm. science fiction characters and like aliens and things. And he was like basically painting murals in this attic and making it really creepy. And so, the, like, huh. could you imagine being in a dark attic 24-7? Right. Creepy faces on the wall and spiders and no light and <laughs> reading about aliens 24-7 and... That's, yeah. that's guy part of, that's part like of what struggle. I wanted to get across before we go to the rest of his story. Because there is a huge point there that not all is normal in his life. Things have drastically changed that's in fair. his life. So, he started the magazine and it was basically an outlet for him to kind of build on a community that he didn't really have, right? Yeah. We're talking about him being an agoraphobe. And I think that's what's so important about him living in the attic by himself. And it actually becomes very, very successful uh, to his credit. There, there's actually for a community. A year. Right. But the, the important thing is that it is successful. There's a community built around it, there's a community built around the idea of flying saucers. They're very, very intrigued by it. There was not as much of an outlet for it back then. Um, yeah. As there is now, we've got tons of websites. We've got tons of those really weird black screens with green lettering all over them that are awful to read and they hurt your head. Uh, if you wanted to get UFO stuff back in the day, what, like the only other thing you can get was from like comics, maybe. Yeah. Or novels. You like could get a camera and a, and a cake pan, and you could throw it in the air and take a picture. I think that's how they did most. Uh, it was actually a hubcap back then. Sometimes it was a hubcap. There's one called like the two pan or something like that, and it's you take two pans, you put them together, and you throw it, and that's that's like a known one. Magic, yeah. magic. Uh, but he created this community, and he he really really built on something that he may or may not have believed. I don't know if I entirely think he truly believed in what he was well, he saying. He was already into a bunch of like weird science fiction stuff. I right? just I so. don't I don't know if he really believed it or if he just wanted someone to talk to about it. <laughs> Yeah, I read something that was like, maybe he just needed a friend. Well, like, part of what I, like, the book I got was a book about the Men in Black, like, The Truth of the Men in Black by uh, Nick Redfern, right? And in that, I love him because he's very sarcastic about this. And he talks about how, like, Albert Bender might not have been going for real evidence. He might have just been going for people to talk to him. Yeah, but he pretty much just got into researching UFOs and all that kind of stuff. And then he started... Yeah. He started having weird encounters with things. I read some stuff that he was he was saying that he was getting like phone calls and no one was on the other end, but he could tell that somebody was like listening. And that's very important. This is like the first instance. The reason why Bender is so important is because whereas you have Doll, Doll's encounter is not going to be repeated very often in terms of the men in black. That's a very over the top encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Bender's is very, very much what we hear from the rest of the men in black stories. Phone calls that have no one on the other side, static, weird bleeps and bloops, yeah, like all that kind of stuff. He also talked about. I think this is the first time that anybody talks about the weird, like poltergeist stuff, right? So like, it gets kind of paranormal and weird after he encounters, I don't know, the phone call stuff, and then there's like stuff flying around the room and the smell of burning sulfur, which. Just it, honestly, the burning sulfur thing. Can I tangent real quick? Reminds yeah. me of Supernatural, because uh, yeah. they talk about the smell of burning sulfur with demons, and I'm like, ooh, spooky. Ooh. Yeah. Well, but the, poltergeist so, things. So the thing is, is like the poltergeist things do come into play, but what do they come to play in over time? It's yeah. not immediate. His stories at first are not as fantastical. And then they slowly, as he starts gaining traction, they slowly become more and more absurd. We even have a story where, like, a man in black, he thinks, appeared to him in the attic from, like, a ball of light. Yeah. Did you read that story where it's... Mm -mm. So 
he is in his attic alone. I think he was sleeping or something like that. And he's like awoken by this bright ball of light. And then all of a sudden he like looks away from it and it's like gone, he says. But then he looks over back in the corner of the attic and there's a man in black standing there, which is horrifying to think about. Like there's just this person standing in your attic. Yeah. Um, Especially if, like we said, he might be agoraphobic. Like he's going to be afraid to like be directly around people too. And then someone's just in his space all of a sudden. Um, So that would be terrifying. But that was a story that definitely evolved from like a different encounter that he had with someone. So he just, I, I honestly think this is kind of just like the beginning of him actually having a mental breakdown um, and actually just starting to see shit. So I, I mentioned the, the cinema thing earlier, right? Mm-hmm. This was actually Bender, right? So he apparently often went to the, the cinema, as they call it. Um, the theater. And he would regularly see the latest like science fiction release. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, you know, he was doing his thing. He was seeing the latest science fiction release, and he was like sitting in the theater, and it was all dark. And all of a sudden, like apparently, one of them just materialized in the seat next to him. And this is where it was one of the things where they had glowing eyes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he like he kind of looked away like out of fear, and then it was gone. And then he felt really like uneasy and like uncomfortable and he looked behind him and it was like behind him with the glowing eyes and you know so that kind of freaked him out um i'm wondering maybe if he was a little schizophrenic oh yeah i mean i think so it seems like it at this point because then after that he started having like severe dizzy spells migraines were popping up all the time um this is where the poltergeist stuff started really happening um, like the actual supposed activity where things were getting thrown around the room and the weird smell and, yeah, you know, no, all that stuff. No, I don't mean that as a and, joke. Like, I think he might have legitimately... No, yeah. And then apparently yeah. this is like the men in black figures that he kept seeing would just like regularly kind of appear to him, like in his room or on the street outside or like wherever he was, apparently at the cinema. So shit got real weird. So this is the part where he really actually thought he like encountered the men in black. He he encountered three of these, like, well-dressed men, all in black, you know, black suits, but they, like, appeared actually, like, where he could see them really well. And this was the first time that they actually talked to him. Um, Apparently, they told him everything, like, this is all real about the UFOs, and this is what the government's been hiding this whole time, and they told him everything that he wanted to know. And then they were like, but you can't tell anyone. And that will like unleash our wrath on you basically <laughs> like we'll fight you if you yeah, say we're challenge you to, to fight by the flagpole after lunch <laughs> and said the men in black that is how the men and in so black when they sound. said that you know he was real scared he didn't want to get into a fight mm-hmm. by the flagpole um so he you know he stopped Doing like he stopped telling anybody about UFO research. He all of a sudden just shut down the Space Review magazine, and there was just like a cryptic message in the back of the last issue, which is in 1953. And we mentioned earlier that this was only a year after he started it, so mm-hmm. it was like pretty quick that he was just like, nope, never mind. And it said, for reasons we can't say, we are ending this publication. Uh, UFO investigators are advised to be very careful. Bum bum. That's spooky. Yeah. So he just, like, all of a sudden stopped this publication. And that's where, like, this whole saga of the Bender stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's my story. I also read an alternate, again, more elevated story about his whole thing where he sees the men in black, the, like, the three of them. Apparently, there's another story that he put in his book that he wrote called... Uh, what was the book? Uh, Flying Saucers and the Three Men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's this, I did whole, hear about this, one. this whole story that he like totally added things to where he's like, he got kidnapped by these men in black and they mm. took him to, wait for it, a secret base well, underneath were, Antarctica. Were there tunnels involved? Apparently. Where he goes <laughs> to tunnels. live. There's always tunnels. He goes to live there for quite some time, actually. Yeah, and they tell him everything, you know. It's the same, kind of the same thing. They tell him how the government hid UFOs <laughs> this whole time. And, you know. Yeah, no. So in Antarctica, they tell him all of these different secrets. This is one of the... Dumbest. One of the more absurd <laughs> stories that he That's tells. That's one way of putting it. They t- I mean, just, just hear it from like a fir- like first-person perspective. Yeah, they took me 
from my attic home in <laughs> my parents' house. <laughs> and home. they took me to Antarctica. Now, did they fly me there? Not necessarily. We just kind of transported. But I knew we were there because it got a little chilly. Uh, and my parents' <laughs> attic is usually pretty warm because the heat rises from their vents, you know. Sometimes my dad turns it off, though, to save a little bit of electricity. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you know how dads are. Yeah. So they take me there, right? Just this big underground bunker. Now, I'm not going to describe to you what it looks like because it looks like a base in Antarctica, okay? Just trust me when I say it's a base and in Antarctica. And they told me all kinds of stuff. Now, did you know about aliens? Wait, There's, wait. There are alien secrets in Antarctica. Wait, wait. What? There's a really good one. You want to hear something dumber than oh Antarctica? Uh, can I, is it possible? Um, so apparently one of the things that they told him, the men in black told Bender is that um, whatever pilots UFOs came to Earth to harvest some, like, ill-defined substance from seawater that they use as an energy source. What else is in seawater besides water and salt and a whole lot of fish pee? Well, you see, you see what, what they're <laughs> using here is they're using, like, some type of element from the seawater. Now, I'm not going to explain it because you understand what's in seawater. And after I find out that they use this, it's not salt. I know what you're thinking. It's not salt. It's much more complicated. They just take me home. Back to my parents' attic. My parents didn't even notice. They didn't even notice. That's how they were doing. That's how tricky they were. I had a can of beans half opened. Just spoiled. <laughs> what? So they came just, so the aliens came to get energy source? That was it? They just said like Whoever it is, whoever is piloting these UFOs, they came extremely. For, they came for the dense, idiotically vague. They came for the dense, uh, dense amount of energon in the water. In the water, specifically seawater. Yeah, but this isn't the first time I've ever seen heard Transformers, that. Cameron. Is that the one with Godzilla? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw where Godzilla and King Kong. So moving from Antarctica. Right. No, we're not mm. moving from Antarctica. Why are we not moving from Antarctica? He goes there. He's told secrets. This None of good. them are important. They're uh, all vague as hell. Yeah, it's great. Um, but he only put that in his book, which is probably why it's all fake. Yeah, I um, remember like years. I remember seeing like a little excerpt somewhere saying that he was constantly trying to say, "No, guys, it's not science fiction. I swear, it's real. It's real." Yeah. Um, what I want to know is, how did he know he was in Antarctica specifically? There's a lot of places with ice that are cold. Well, I mean, they went to the base, and the sign outside said Antarctica base. <laughs> that's accurate. That's how he, that's, that's how he knew. Um, Excuse me for just being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't I, even know, did he ever go outside? I don't know. He was I always kept in, it he, was pretty he, vague. It was like a little short, like, oh, and he also said this in his book, and it's completely yeah. dumb. Like, saying he did get kidnapped. Let's just, let's, you know, let's play pretend. Okay. He did get kidnapped. He did get right. taken to a base. All right. <laughs> if he didn't go outside and it was just inside the base, if they just told him, yeah, we're in Antarctica, dude. For real, I swear. And he was like, all right. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> if they tried, I, if they question, like, why'd you make that guy believe he's in Antarctica? Like, it was just a prank, bro. It was just a prank. I just transported him, man. Transported him. We're really, like, six blocks away from his parents' attic's attic. Attic. I almost said I almost it. said parents' attic's house. <laughs> so I read some theory. It's probably possible that the the actual FBI are the ones who talked to him, since he was a big old weirdo, and everyone was like super paranoid because this was during like the Red Scare and the Cold War. Oh, so yeah. everyone was like, "Oh my God, you're a commun communist, right?" Oh, and so okay. like yeah. stupid columnists. And so since he was pretty much the first person to really start this like UFO fan club and like a whole magazine and everything, and he just pretty much anyone that had weird ideals at all was like interrogated by the government. And like this is like a real thing. Like the government yeah. actually would come to your house and be like, "Are you a communist?" I mean, the government would come to people's homes when they were investigating too much anyway. There there was in the book I was reading by Nick Redfern, there there were accounts of J. Edgar Hoover sending real FBI agents and CIA agents to people's homes who were investigating UFOs. They wouldn't say you need to stop. Oftentimes they would say, well, what evidence do you have? Yeah. So it's actually kind of the opposite, just a little bit. 
I'm really telling you, I did fall down a rabbit hole with yeah. this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw another theory. They were talking about how the government like kind of had a right to be worried about the fact that there were so many UFO groups because if anybody from Russia wanted to start like a scene, they could just like claim that there were UFO sightings over America or even like fly something weird over and then like excite the UFO groups who would then excite the military and then the military is distracted and then Russia can just like attack the United States, right? Mm-hmm. So that was like an actual concern apparently with UFO groups is that they're easily basically they're just like too gullible. Mm-hmm. Or is that what they wanted us to think they were worried about the Duh. government? Duh. We'll get into it later. We'll get into it later. Oh my god. But it's, it's 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 believable just because of how tense things were. Oh yeah, the amount of like stupid stuff that they did just to oh, find yeah. out if anybody was a communist. Yeah, yeah, just, just all the Cold War things in general. Cold War was where, a like, dumb, is a dumb war. It's so, yeah, it's so dumb how how close we've come to World War Three over a flock of geese over a computer screen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, that's but, pretty. But much it's like, but like it, that's how t- you know it was. It was like people actually believed we were all gonna get blown up within the week. So if you have like someone. Like, even if they didn't, like, outwardly believe that, I'm sure back in the day... I know I would have secretly believed, like, oh, no, we're going to get nuked, like, tomorrow. Because it just seems like that's how tense things were. Well, I mean, so, if you, so if you have, like, some nut job going around, like, yeah. causing a, like, just causing a scene, then that'll make everyone, like, freaked out. This really propelled, I feel like, a lot of these Men in Black problems is... Whether or not this the Men in Black are true, I mean, we'll continue to talk to discuss here uh, in this part and probably in the next part, um, in a second parter. But the truth is, is that people were scared of a lot at the time. And government agents coming to your home and telling you not to talk about something, that is not something that was rare. It's not something that you know, didn't happen. Yeah. We also had just come out of World War II when they were taking like Japanese immigrants from their homes and putting them in internment camps in America. Yeah. So there were real reasons to be scared. Well, and previous to like around this time, people, it was like a norm to trust your government. And so this is kind of where I feel like conspiracy theories in general started was around the forties because that was about the time they started lying about things and like the Roswell incident. And it's like, oh, are they telling us the truth or not? Like nobody knows. Oh, I mean, like all the way so. through like the seventies, people just kind of trusted authority figures like that. It was like the rebellion hippie movement that really broke that apart. But people yeah. did just kind of, if you had a badge, they just kind of trusted that that's what you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much the Bender story. That is the Bender story. Uh, and then before we go into our next friend, here, which also has to do with Bender. Barker did have quite a bit to do with Bender. He was actually, um, hold on, he was a member of the, uh, is it IFSB? IFSB, the IFSB? International Yeah, I always forget. Software. I always say ISFB. Okay, so IFSB, but he was considered the chief investigator. Ooh. Barker and Bender were like best friends. Yeah. Essentially is what it boiled down to. Now, they were best friends who didn't admit that they were best friends. But they were. Right. They totally and were. They this, were totally besties. And they now, this buddies. also goes into the fact that Barker wrote a book about uh, the bridge disaster, right? The Silver Bridge disaster. Um, it Because we also have Men in Black sightings that supposedly happened during the Mothman Silver Bridge period of time. Which we did bring up. We did bring them up, but some of the bigger encounters weren't actually talked about until after the Men in Black stuff really started gaining traction. Um, But there were quite a few, actually more than I thought, Men in Black encounters, supposedly. There's more than one witness account from that time. With what? Mothman? With the Mothman area in Point Pleasant. Yeah. One of them, though, is is a specific uh, lady. I can't remember her name. Uh, Oh, Oh, it's Mary Mary Heyer. Mary Mm -hmm. Heyer. Um, she was a journalist. She was also a desk jockey, basically. She worked as an assistant for the police station as well, if that's the one I'm thinking of. There, there might have been another one. But there's one woman who specifically worked as a desk jockey. She had, like, tons of stuff piling up, tons of paperwork to get through. And then she was visited by the men in black. She describes them in a very strange way. Uh, she describes them as... She describes them very, very thin, like, very thin, mm-hmm. very pale, and I believe she's the one that describes that one of them as having a glove. He lifted his hand up to his face. Michael Jackson. 
Right. He lifted his hand up to his face. He had a gray glove on. I think this was her. Uh, and he put it up to his lips, and she said that red immediately stained the glove. Because he was he's wearing, wearing makeup, like I said earlier. Which she said was really odd. But my favorite thing about this story... Oh, wait, she was the one, I think, that said, like, they didn't have lips. Like, they had clearly drawn right. lips on. It was, like, this fake... And they, they were wearing makeup in general. Um, which is, like, you know, one of those things, like, why are they hiding their appearance? But she noticed that this weird, strange man... one of Because they had visited her multiple times. And one time, in the middle of the night, this weird, strange man visited her. And she had, like... She was working through all these papers. She said it was, like, this weird encounter. This is my favorite story. Oh, my He God. was obsessed... With yes. her ballpoint pen. I read that one too. <laughs> and he just kept staring at it. And he like kind of smiled. And then she like, she like offers it to him yeah, or something like that. Yeah, she gives it like to that. him. Yeah. And then he, she says specifically, she says he cackled and then bolted out the door. <laughs> which is one of the most ridiculous things. That's, that's amazing. I love that one. I honestly. What kind of a cackle do you think it was? What you just did. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> but like way longer. Like I feel like he, <laughs> and he's just like bolting runs. out the door. Now, out of I all the men in black you. encounters, honestly, <laughs> I believe someone might have come in in a black suit, cackled after taking her pen, and, and run, run out the door. <laughs> that for some reason that's so bizarre that it's like that might be I don't know, that's the most believable story. Right? I love her, that one. She said her eyes deviated to her pile of paperwork briefly and then she turns back and he's like bolting. Like he's I thought you're gonna say I thought you're gonna say her eyes bulged out of her sockets. <laughs> Uh, no, maybe. that story, honestly, out of all the Men in Black stories I've read, that is probably one of the most believable, and I love it I love it. It's pretty, I it's, love it. It's That's hilarious. Adorable. That's the first time I've ever heard it. It's, it's adorable. It's really the only Mothman story to me that matters. I just feel like we just so did fun. a disservice by not saying that in the Mothman episode, so here you go. We did. <laughs> so there's, there's our makeup for that. Yeah. But um, So just imagine a very thin, pale man with no lips but red lipstick on. Cackling and running out the door with the woman's ballpoint pen. <laughs> it's very Waluigi right there. Yeah, I think I did a Waluigi scream. Imagine Waluigi in a black suit just cackling as he runs out the door. Oh my god. I think that's more Danny DeVito. I'm going to blow me in Smash Brothers. I don't know what accent that is. That's Waluigi. But going out of Mothman, we're going to go into... Well, um, what was his first name? Gray. Gray, Parker. yeah, that's right. His name is Gray. <gasps> Not Gary. I thought it was a misprint at first. So I was like, Gray? Gray's yeah. alien That's anatomy. That's it. That's it. He's the Gray. Boo. Got him. So anyway, gotcha. his name is that Gray Barker. Is great radio. And yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was a writer. And also he was a publisher. And he, um, he published Bender's book that he wrote about his encounter with the three men. Yeah, he actually wrote a lot of books about weird stuff, including um, Mothman stuff. And <laughs> so Barker perpetuated a lot of this by writing in accounts that were not necessarily true. One of the things that Redfern goes into is he talks about how Barker, with his little friendship with Bender, would often kind of elevate those stories a little bit. Well, that's what right? I was saying with the Antarctica thing. That's only in the book. Right. That he published. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like that the wasn't science fiction, I swear. No, not at all. No, no, no. This is nonfiction. What do you mean? What do you mean? This is real shit. What? No. <laughs> Barker very much accentuates the story, and he very much like fantasizes his own version, or the version that Bender ended up wanting him to tell because it was more fantastical. It was more fun. It's something where you're going to draw more people in because you're like, these men came and they had glowing red eyes instead of like these dudes showed up with a regular car. They were like, we're from the government. We heard you were talking about UFOs. We were just wondering, Jagger Hoover sent us. If you had any evidence you could show us. No? Yeah. Thank you. Well, Barker claimed to have had a, an encounter with the men in black who like somehow got his business card. Because, you know, I said he was part of the IFSB. Did I do that right? I always yeah. mix it up. Yay! Um, if he was. Oh. He was considered it's... the chief investigator, and so he had, like, little business cards made, and he had given mm -hmm. them to, like, a few people, and I guess the whole point here was that these men in black had acquired a card, but he only gave them to, like, three friends. So he must have, they must have talked to his friends. I must've. remember that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. 
He only gave it to three of his friends. Apparently. It's bad marketing. What I kind of got from it was like before they disbanded this whole IFSB thing, mm-hmm. um, they had just made cards and then it ended, right? Oh. So he just got his business cards. He was like gearing up to be the chief investigator, but he wasn't really <laughs> the chief investigator. It was kind of just something that Bender called him. So, like, I don't know, that's what I got from it. Here, here's the thing about Bender and actually about Barker that I don't like. And this is, like, if we go into the realm of the men in black are real and we take the majority description of them, one thing you do not see the men in black without are sunglasses. And in Bender really? and Barker's story, they consistently don't have sunglasses. They consistently instead have glowing eyes, which I think is built in there to be fantasized. I think Bender encountered government agents. I think he did more than once. I actually found a lot of things where they don't have glasses. Mm-hmm. All the ones I found, they have glasses. No, I didn't really find any. I actually found a lot where they talk about the shape of their eyes. I didn't find anything where they talk about the shape of their eyes. Well, I did. What did you find? A lot of them actually say that they look Asian. No, there's they... a whole set that says they look Asian. There's one where it talks about like three different agents in one section, and then there's three different agents in another. And those ones did not wear glasses. You're right. But most of the, like the majority of descriptions, that's where like the whole idea of the movie comes from. That's why they don't take them off whenever they flash people, is because they, that's like like, a modern they thing. have like a thing. No, that, that is yeah. like one of the original descriptions is like the men in black have the sunglasses. The sunglasses, fedora, dark suits. But Bender. He changes his story because originally some of his stories, at least in Redfern's book, like they talk about how he, like they have sunglasses, you can't see their eyes, you can't see what they're thinking, things like that. And then all of a sudden they have glowing eyes, mm-hmm. which is, it's just him being absurd, I think. Yeah, probably. I think part of his story is true. I think part of Dahl's story is true. I think there's probably a lot of weirdness going on. And we had a lot of government agents walking around at the time doing random things. People were scared of anybody in a suit because nobody knew what anyone was doing at the time either. Now you yeah. can stalk people on Facebook and see what they're doing. I think Barker's role was more just he was the conduit of Bender told these weird stories. So then he made them sound kind of cool. And then he published them in books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Barker is the right-hand man in any cult situation. Now the difference is that the IFSB never got to cult status. But because of the men in black. But I think if you had had someone different, or like if Bender had had a little bit more tenacity, you could have gotten to like a cult status there. Yeah. Um, but Bender and Barker are really important because they are the ones who create this mythos that lasts forever. I mean, lasts till now. It's probably going to last way after this. I mean, the Men in Black are huge, right? And there's a lot more stories that we're going to get into. And this is definitely going to end us for part one. Right? This will be our first two-parter. Yeah, it's our first two-parter. In Conspiracy What. Welcome uh, to episode five. We wanted, to, we wanted to do something big, so we finally did the Men in Black. And this is not the last time you'll hear us talk about the Men in Black. They're going to show up in a whole ton of stuff, most likely. Yeah. They show up all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in every single situation, every single supernatural entity or cryptid or whatever, the Men in Black have a tendency to show up. Uh, but we wanted to go over it so we kind of know what the basis for that is. And we're definitely going to get into a little bit more of how they work and what they might be we got in more our stories. next episode. But for the moment... About, we're going to talk about midbies. We're going to talk about we're gonna talk about UFOs. We're going to talk. We're going to talk. We're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about Nessie a little bit, too. We are. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about Nessie. We're going to go into some interesting monsters, some interesting encounters. Uh... Make it a little more modern. You got the you got the beginning here with the 40s and the 50s. Right, and we're going to yeah, talk this about... This is the time jump episode. And we're going to talk about what this kind of means in the real world and whether or not there are examples of this kind of stuff in the real world. And we'll talk about that probably near the end of the next episode. We're going to talk about how Will Smith got his job doing this. We are not going to talk about that unless we tangent. Uh, so... <laughs> yes, no, he actually had like a... He actually had... Do you know about this? This is a conspiracy. That's actually true. Him and his agent, when they were looking around for movies for Hollywood, they were looking for scripts with a very specific formula. One, I have to be the protagonist. Two, the antagonist has to be some otherworldly force. And three, some other thing. Sounds true. And you look at all the fucking Will Smith movies, like Independence Day, Men in Black, Wild Wild West. I love Wild Wild West. I love Wild Wild West. I haven't seen it. What? Podcast canceled. Podcast canceled. See you next episode. Allie, what's our social media? 
Oh my god, we have social media? We have social media! Wow, we're on it's Facebook. It's media where we're social. Oh my god. Okay, so we're on Facebook and Twitter at Conspiracy What. We have a cool email. Um, it's conspiracywhat at gmail.com. Uh, please like us and follow us. And you should give us some good ratings on iTunes. Thank you to whoever gave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Thank You're... you so much for that, by the way. It's amazing. Um, I feel like nobody can hear me over you two idiots. Go a little quieter. Yeah, anyway, um, we're on a lot of places. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast provider. Uh, this is part one of the Men in Black. Thanks for listening. Come back for episode two of Men in Black. I've been Cameron. I've been Jason. I'm still Allie. And as always, over. Bye. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. I already said that. Again. But thank you. Yeah. <laughs>